Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, fire, flammables, an album that bumps eternally. And today, we'll be deep diving together into the 10th, yeah, the 10th studio album by the Mariah Carey, The Emancipation of Mimi. You like this and you know it. Caution is so explosive. Uh-huh. chickens is ash and I'm lotion. Baby, come and get it. Let me give you what you need. It's a special occasion. Maybe emancipation. Uh-huh. Of course, for celebration. I ain't gonna let The title track to LL Cool J's album, Mama Said Knock You Out, begins this way Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Mariah Carey's 10th studio album, The Emancipation of Mimi, was called and considered a comeback. It wasn't like she'd been gone for a minute, but critics and fans felt like she'd been gone for a minute. There were comments about her voice, her choices, about glitter, about charm bracelet, about her relationships, things that made me question how many MCs must get dissed. Any lingering doubts or speculation about Mariah, her talent, her business, were all rendered mute in the spring of 2005 when she dropped this album. The Emancipation of Mimi in three words, so many hits. The Guardian's Adam Webb had this to say, quote, For all her vocal gymnastics, there's nobody better at walking the fine line between bombast and sensitivity. He continues later, Mimi may not be entirely emancipated from her past, but this is certainly one big step out of the mire. This was more than a big step. This was a giant step. This was Here Comes the Hot Stepper. This album was nominated for 10 Grammys. This album sold 10 million copies. This album had scorchers. We belong together. It's like that. Shake it off. This album had hit makers like Jermaine Dupri, Jonte Austin, Babyface, The Neptunes, James Poyser, Brian Michael Cox, all in squad. This album is considered to be one of the 500 best albums of all time by Rolling Stone. This album sounds like what you can do when you've got five octaves in your pocket. Don't call it a comeback. Call this one a heat rock. So The Emancipation of Mimi was the album pick of our guest today, music writer Britney Spanos. At the age of 12, she watched Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, inspired by Crowe's own beginnings as a music journalist with Rolling Stone magazine, and that in turn inspired Britney to decide then and there she would one day become a writer at Rolling Stone herself. And shout out to Almost Famous, not just for inspiring young minds to pursue the noble craft of music writing, but also for making music journalists actually feel vaguely sympathetic, because normally I feel like the movies always make us look like pretentious jackasses, which, of course, you know, we can be, but still. (laughs) Anyways, in Britney's case, her adolescent aspirations never faded, and she is now indeed a staff writer at Rolling Stone. And if you are part of the dwindling masses that still likes the look of print media, you would have admired some for cover stories for the mag, including profiles of Janelle Monet, Lizzo, and Cardi B. Brittany grew up in Chicago, but now resides in the planet, aka Brooklyn, where she's joining us from today. Brittany Spanos, welcome to Heat Rocks. Thank you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> 
Before we get to this specific album, in you know over 250 episodes, we have never really tackled Mariah except maybe in passing. So I feel like we need to start here with just our respective intros to Ms. Carey. And so how did each of you come to know the world of Mariah Carey? And Brittany, you want to start us off? Yeah, this this album was that introduction. I mean, I, I there was obviously so much Mariah on radio growing up. And I, I think kind of what was great about when this album came out in particular, I was 12, 13 years old. I think, you know, clearly coming off of Glitter and Charm Bracelet weren't, weren't peak Mariah at that time. And so that's kind of like when I was starting to listen to the radio more and kind of listening to and watching MTV. But at that, you know, at that time, she wasn't yet quite on my radar the way that this album put her on my radar. This album was everything to me when it came out still is so important to me and was definitely the, my introduction into who Mariah Carey is and wanting to dig deeper into her and wanting to know more about her music. And I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for 2000s Mariah and a lot of, a lot of her albums since emancipation. I really, really love. And I, I'm, this is, this was it for me and it's still it for me. Where did you get the album? I I think I got the album. Oh gosh. It definitely was either Target cuz my mom worked at Target. So she would always get me albums. Um she would always like get me whatever came out during the week. She was very good at being able to like get it like on like before people came to the store on Tuesday. Shout out ones. to your mom <laughs> with the hookup. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah, like one of the biggest flexes I had was when No Strings Attached came out and that album sold like a million in the first week. Everything was sold out and she was able to get it right before the people lining up outside were able to get it in the morning because she worked there. So this was another album that I'm fairly certain came from that. If not, it definitely came from, I was a Tower Records regular and so I was just kind of, I would pick up so much stuff downtown, but yeah. See, maybe this is why you also wanted to become a music journalist is because you got accustomed to getting music early, you know, get yeah. advances basically. So if not through your mom, <laughs> then through labels or through public uh, promoters or uh, publicists, et cetera. So yeah, but my the, mom again, was the plug. <laughs> shout out to your mom. That's, that's, that's one cool parent right yeah. there. Um, Morgan, how about you? What was your introduction to Mariah? My introduction to Mariah was, uh, was Vision of Love. Mm. And I cannot believe that that's, that was 30 years ago which means that uh, some of us are, uh, are a lot older. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to get into any specifics. Of course. <laughs> but I will say that that was my introduction to her. And um, it had a lot of radio play, uh, obviously the video, and the big deal about Vision of Love is the last 29 seconds of that song. It's that run. But anyway, yeah. So that was my uh, that was my uh, introduction. Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Vision of Love. I was you? I was similar to you. Vision of Love was definitely uh, my intro, mostly because it, it got such strong airplay on the radio stations that I was listening to. Um, and I thought Emotions was really cool in a sort of a let Mariah do a Whitney song uh, way. But I think like many a '90s hip hop head, it wasn't really until she dropped Dream Lover in '93 that I really bother to really pay attention to Carrie in any deep way. Oh, yeah. I need all of my 
that began, for me at least, kind of this on-again, off-again flirtation with Mariah's music, which I think mirrored her own on-again, off-again flirtations with hip-hop for the rest of the 90s. Um, the high point, at least in my opinion, and I think probably for many, being her remix of Fantasy uh, with, of course, Old Dirty Bastard. Me and Mariah go back like babies with pacifiers. Old dirt dog, no liar. Keep the fantasy hot like fire. Jump, jump, jump. And if you will forgive the tangent, much like how Morgan is nostalgic for the days of voicemail skits on albums, I find myself, and this surprised me to hear me even think this or to say this, but I was actually charmed going back and listening to that fantasy remixed about hearing Puffy doing his, that's right, ad libs. So besides voicemail, we need to bring back Puff Daddy ad libs on people's remixes. I'm a little bit of rock, I don't stole the soul. Big letters all big and bold. Old dirty bass, dirty bass glow. I don't want to say that's ODB's best bars because that man, rest in peace, had a lot of heat, but it certainly ranks up there as one of his most memorable regardless. So yeah, yeah shout out to the late sure. ODB. So bring this back to the emancipation of Mimi. Brittany, what makes this a heat rock for you, besides the fact that it was your gateway into the world of Mariah? I think especially coming with it, coming into it later and kind of thinking about Mariah Carey overall as an artist and as I learned more about her and became more obsessed with her presence, with her voice, with everything about her, this has to be one of the greatest comeback albums in history. Like, this is, like, absolutely, like, such uh, an incredible moment for her in her career and I think so much of what Mariah Carey is to people today and who she represents and kind of the the diva that she is in this moment the person who kind of has this enduring you know presence in all of our lives I think is so much reflected on what she was capable capable of doing with this album after everything that she had been through in the years leading up to it everything that the early 2000s were for her kind of having a, a movie that didn't go as planned that <laughs> didn't you know become as successful as you know she had hoped sure. that it would be and right. charm bracelet originally being the comeback that she was hoping that emancipation of mimi ended up being but this album kind of combining everything that we love about mariah her ability to really like absolutely kill a ballad and also make these incredible radio kind of hip-hop pop r&b fusion hits that just you can't help but want to dance to but also completely takes over MTV, takes over the radio. Like it's just the videos are incredible. Like it's just everything that Mm. Mariah is today. And it feels like such a a renewal for her. And that sense makes it so powerful for me. In terms of the the framing of this album as a comeback, and of course, I mean, many people have have said this, so it's not like it's it's a, a new idea here. But just to put this in context and perspective, I mean, the reasons why Glitter and Charm Bracelet were considered to be flops is because they only, you have to see me, I got square quotes here, mm-hmm. they only sold 2 million and 3 million units globally um, relatively, I mean, relative to what how Emancipation of Mimi sold. Uh, 10 stacks. Mm-hmm. And by 2020 or 2021 numbers, 
like any album today going selling 2 million or 3 million units would already be considered a massive runaway success. But of course, back in 2005, before the, the cratering of, of music sales, uh, that was considered to be like a huge flop. And of course, you know, doing 10 times platinum is going to, is going to look pretty good no matter what the era is. But to me, it's just a reminder of how, I mean, Mariah's numbers were so bonkers because I think for any other artist, if you even just go one time platinum, that's already a lifetime achievement. And for Mariah, apparently anything less than 3 million is considered a disappointment. And that tells you a lot of, you know, just where the where music sales used to be, but it really does speak to the particularities of Mariah's incredible commercial success. And Morgan, you said earlier how Butterfly was your favorite Mariah album. So where does this album, where does Emancipation rank on your Mariah power list? Uh, pretty high because they they both sold, I think, about the same amount of records. And let's keep in mind, she's sold 200 million. So I'll take those two or three as just a, that's cool, because the, <laughs> the, the bigger picture is that she sold 200. Um, keep in mind, this is three years after, well, first of all, I think that this album should have been called The Declaration of Mimi, mm -hmm. because I think this is her solidifying saying like, I've already, this is my second comeback. This ain't the first. I'm not new to this. I left Tommy Mottola and started a whole new thing. Me and hip hop got married. You know what I'm saying? I've done it. I took off the little, the shorts and the two ponytails. I'm jumping in the pool in Christian Dior. This is the, se this is the second coming. That's first. Two, I think... This is three years after that famous Mariah Carey Cribs episode. So not only does she give us, th th now we meet Mimi, but this is three years after the Cribs. And I just have to say personally, when I saw the Cribs, my first thought was, Lord, I've seen what you've done for others. <laughs> and please don't pass me by. If nothing else good happens to me in my life. If all I get is to live in a place like this, I have won. But I think this was uh, part and parcel of, of Mariah Carey building her legend and, and, and the icon status over time. And I think by the time we get to 2005, f for me, she's sealed it. She's been able to recraft her image, take control over her career, work with a new set of producers. You got Jermaine Dupree, L.A. Reid. It's just so major. She's just so iconic. She didn't have to do the thing. She didn't have to have big choreography. We didn't care if she danced or didn't dance. This is this album to me is solid. It's up there in the ranks and it doesn't sound um, so intentionally. I'm going to put, I'm going to put hip hop in it. Mm. It just seems like it doesn't seem super intentional. It seems like this is the sound. I'm going to take my time. You all know what I have in my pocket vocally. And I'm going to give you every, I'm going to give you the whistle register. I'm going to give you the highs. I'm going to give you the lows. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to whisper in some places. If Mariah had dropped a verse on here, I wouldn't have been surprised. I think this album is really, really good. And it sounds like a a, a sort of a, a classic R&B album. Mm -hmm. The beginning of I Wish, to me, sets the tone for the rest of this. So for me, Butterfly is my, my favorite. Yeah. But I say, this is, this is my number two. I think I was going to ask the question about people calling this her comeback album. Mm -hmm. And what, if anything, do you think Mariah had to prove? 
for for me, she didn't have anything to prove, even though she had had those um, those bombs or whatever yeah. whatever you want to call them. But what else do you think she had to prove besides? I mean, I think even glitter sold went platinum. Yeah, I think in this in something that she's still maybe prove is the the incorrect word for what I'm thinking of right now. But I think what she's continued to do and has continued to make a a hallmark of her career is that she can continue topping the charts and be as you know she is the competition continuously like she is like the the blueprint for what commercial success can look like and what it you know what the kind of ceilings of commercial success are and how they can be broken and even just as we're talking right now like i isn't all i want you all i want for christmas is you number one right now i think like or was last week again again yeah you know 20 was it 25 years now after 15 years i don't know time however long it's been (laughs) it's been a long time and it continues to go number one i mean i think she has pushed herself to continue being a part of the conversation in a way that you know she doesn't have to but she likes you know she enjoys the the performance of pop she enjoys being able to combine both being this one of the great singers of all one of the greatest singers of all time being the voice yes. of many, many decades, of many generations, of many holidays, of many, you know, life moments of be- having songs that are kind of the songs for every kind of big thing that, you know, hero is used constantly. All I want, you know, her entire Christmas album is a yeah. giant classic. Um, she has songs that are played in like fantasy. If clubs were open, fantasy would be playing in a club right now. Like we, we would be right able now. to go walk into any club in the world and fantasy would play at least once in the night and people would eat it up and go crazy. But like, yeah, I think she's just, she likes being a part of the conversation and it's been beautiful to see that a lot of the conversation has moved more to her songwriting and about that element as well and things like that. But I I think that's sort of, this was part of it. This was like, you know what, like here I'm as, as much of a, a fresh artist as anyone who's really seen their debut album right now. Like this is album number ten, but sure. I'm, I can still sound like I'm a brand new artist with every single album, and and she does. <laughs> like I, I feel like that's what I love about her albums in recent years is like, a lot of it just you know, any a new artist can release it, and that would be like, like oh my god, like who is this person? And it's Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I'm wondering, is Mariah the last diva standing of her era? Because I'm trying to think of the other people who had the same kind of big voices or the, you know, the insane range. So you think about Christina Aguilera, who would have come out later. You think about um, someone like Celine Dion, who I would consider to be a bit of a contemporary in terms of the arc of their careers. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think of like who, who has that same kind of big, big voice in in the 2020s and it may be simply that i'm just disconnected from the the current pop landscape which is which is true but i feel like mariah was the last person to have i mean i guess maybe adele 
but she's also been a yeah. little bit MIA, uh, you know, in, in at least the last couple of years. But it, I feel like there was a, a, a moment in, in pop music, let's say in the early, the first decade of the 2000s, where you have all these people who have the same kind of, again, the power, the range, et cetera. And then that's kind of dwindled partly because the pop music landscape, I think, has shifted, but also in terms of, I mean, these are not, this is not, you can't engineer that. Like either you have that voice or you don't. Um, and there hasn't necessarily been the same number of people who, who can bring that level of vocal power. I mean, I guess like one of the obvious, along with Adele, like an obvious one would would be Beyonce, but she hasn't really sold herself as a, a ballad artist in those ways and right. has kind of, you know, she's very much about the kind of Jackson school of the whole kind of like performance, like movement and singing. But I don't know, I don't, I think you know, Mariah's in a very, I guess Ariana to some degree in the way that she is, uh, like a, a baby Mariah in the sense of how she's kind of structured. She's like Mariah post fantasy remix. If she start, if Mariah started with the fantasy remix, that's Ariana. Yes, that's a good. That's a great call. Actually, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but also in a world that the in a in a culture that will allow you to be all the things that Ariana is, and to have all the things, and to go through all the things publicly mm-hmm. without there being a stigma. Right. So she's she's a baby Mariah in a more welcoming culture and a welcoming Absolutely. time. Because any of these things, we would have been really hard, and we were really hard on on Mariah for for doing some of the some of the same things okay. or going through some of the same things. Did you have a chance to listen to Butterfly anytime before in prep for this chat? I know you had to listen to Emancipation, but have you ever gone back just to listen to Butterfly just to make a comparison? Because I'd be curious. Not me personally, no. I haven't listened to it recently. Shame on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like there's I'm a future. Super, I'm spir- spiritually, I'm disappointed. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's a future take two series around Mariah in which we can include Butterfly and then we'll yeah. pick another album and, and do it properly. How about that, Morgan? <laughs> But you All clearly, right, you, cool. but you, but you clearly have thoughts here, though. Yeah. So, what, what, what are those? Yeah, I'm just so hurt. Now let me just pro- process the emotions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'll get back to you on that. Well, look, uh, this maybe doesn't come as a big surprise for folks who've listened to the show because I've said this repeatedly that you know my relationship to R and B in the in the '90s and '00s was really predicated primarily around how close were those artists um, connected to hip hop? And so the further they moved from it, the less I listened to it. So to be really, really candid, I don't, I think in prepping for this, this might've been the first time I've ever listened to a Mariah Carey in completion. I mean, I've certainly known her, her singles over the years, but not, I've, I very rarely have ever sat with an album, if at all. I've never thought of Mariah as being super duper like hip hop R&B crossover, but when she decides to cross over, she usually does it pretty smartly. And I think this album is one example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I always really appreciate and admire on this album, like you said, there is so much of it that is the kind of classic Mariah R&B ballads, and none of the the singles especially, they don't feel forced on there. They don't feel like they someone just like was like, okay, we need like a radio or an MTV right. song, you know, like let's just like put it's like that in there. Like it feels like just like a, it all flows really well together. It all feels like a really cohesive statement uh, the the declaration of Mimi as as Morgan said earlier like another great alternate title for it but yeah 
I think because Mariah started out in pop with R&B leanings, by the time she she embraced hip hop, I think it was presented all like, well, this is so cool. Mariah's embraced hip hop. This is sort of like, you know, this is this is pop music's darling that's sort of taken a walk on the wild side. Whereas Mary J. Blige was sort of Started introduced there. to us as the queen right. of hip hop soul. Right. She had already been there. And because of because also how she presents as you know, this is Yonkers, this is a black girl from Yonkers, you know, we weren't surprised by that. You know, that was a part of that was a part of the narrative around. Whereas Mariah there were years that people didn't even really know that she was black. So right. when she embraced hip hop, it was like, oh, that's so cool that Mariah's <laughs> with Snoop, you know. Um, and so I do think that I do think the charm of that was that she was able to 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 do it in a way that was unexpected, but also palatable for the masses mm-hmm. and that most of the career was built her career was just built around her voice. She wasn't required to dance like Mary J. She didn't have to be Janet Jackson. Everything was about her voice. And I think the productions around around uh, Mariah Carey's um, vocals made the marriage of hip hop and her voice very seamless. I love Mariah. I felt like this was a good time to say that. I love (laughs) Mariah Carey. It's always a good time to say it. (laughs) Well, we will be back with more of our conversation with Brittany Spanos about Mariah Carey's The Emancipation of Mimi after a brief word from our sibling Max Fun podcast. Keep it locked. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Together, we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie. And also, Who's That Grandma? Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment. Elvis is a Policeman. Baby Crocodile and the Happy Twins. Leftover Potatoes? Station Wagon 3. Herbie Goes to Hell. New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes. Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh, probably not. I'm Emily Heller. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening and horses, and we get real stupid on here. But like, in a smart way. Yeah. Join us every other week on Maximum Fun. Heat Rockers, if you recall back in October when we were celebrating our third anniversary, we mentioned that we had gotten some custom 45 adapter slash weights made featuring Megan Cott's pin design from last year for Heat Rocks. Well, for a limited time, we have those adapters now available for sale to anyone who wants them. You can find them through our website at heatrockspod.com. 
All profits from the sale will be donated to the LA Downtown Women's Center. I need to stress that this is a limited time sale, mostly because we need to make a bulk order to get these produced and shipped back to us from the good folks at the SureShot shop. Again, our special Heat Rocks 45 adapter slash weights are now available. Visit heatrockspod.com to order. Thank you for supporting us and for supporting the Downtown Women's Center. Yo, and we're back on Heat Rocks talking with Brittany Spanos about the emancipation of Mimi Mariah Carey. This would probably be more of an apt question to ask uh, at the end of this, but because I don't want it to stray too, too far away from the album of question here, I wanted to get this out of the way now. You know, as we are now into the, the 2020s full force, where does Mariah Carey fit into the pop music landscape now? She was, what, 35 when she made this album. So if my math is correct. That means that she's now tipped into uh, her 50s. And I think for other artists in previous eras, this would be when they start making just jazz standard albums of middling note. Um, that, to me, doesn't necessarily feel like the path that, that Mariah would want to put herself on. But given where we are in this current landscape, where do you think, uh, if anywhere, someone like Mariah can fit in? I think that she has a very similar, you know, of different but similar in the sense of, like, the, the arc of it all of to share, where... I think that she has become so much of a cultural icon, a cultural like point for so many people and obviously still has the songs to go with it. And, you know, as much as I love Cher, more songs to go with it. But I think in that way, <laughs> Cher is still have, has had comeback after comeback after comeback and has had hit after hit after hit. You think about Believe in the late 90s, Cher was in what her, her late 40s or the 50s when that came out like that's i mean that yeah was such a major coup in and in and of itself to have a massive dance track that again much like if, if the clubs were open we'd hear fantasy and we'd hear believe like right now like those are two songs that we would absolutely hear in every second but i do think in that sense like there is a kind of a level of stardom of being able to continue to release music and continue to perform and still have these sold out concerts and still have people like waiting for that next single in a lot of ways. And also be someone who has the personality to hold it all up and to keep it fresh and keep it fun. Like Mariah Carey is a fun person. Like she is like, you know, she is herself through and through and we love her for it. Her book was amazing. You know, the audiobook is incredible. Like you just want to hear Mariah Carey tell her own stories. You want to see her say, you want to hear her say darling on after everything. I can't even say it the way that she yes. says it, but like you just want to see her in a, in the ocean wearing a, a full gown and you know, millions That's of right. dollars of diamonds constantly. Like I, I would look at a whole yes. coffee table book of photos of Mariah Carey, just being Mariah Carey in different settings. hundred percent. So that's, that's where she's at for hmm. ever. I was going to joke that, it's time for her to have her own Vegas residency. But then I just realized she's actually already been doing that for about five plus years. So Vegas clearly I'm very much Christmas very late to the residency. Like yeah. she's, she is all, she is all of it. <laughs> like she's like, you know, she is, I am here for all everything that we need that Tony Bennett duet album now then. 
And she yeah. for sure. But she's got but she's got chops like that. Mm-hmm. She can go that route. She could do Mariah could do a gospel album right now and my mom would buy that. Okay. Yeah. And my mom's tastes are discriminating when it comes to the Lord. But I think she would still buy that album. And I do think in some ways because of all the aforementioned trinkets and all that she's she's accomplished, I don't think she does need to fit in the twenty twenties. Mm-hmm. She's already been. You know what I'm saying? She's already done. She's already built. She's already got like um people that have come after her. You know, she's 50 years old now. She doesn't have anything to prove. Mm-hmm. And just when you think what happened to Mariah Carey, you walk into a Walgreens and you hear one of her jams. Not a minor jam, a major jam. And you remember all that she's accomplished. And because she wrote so many of these songs, her paper's right. Yeah. So she doesn't really need to do anything. Let's not forget Precious, so her acting was good. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So if she wants to go that route, if she wants to lend her voice to score, I think there's so many lanes for her. Um, but I don't think that she has to be relevant. I think she is relevant. Mm-hmm. And she's done so much um, for the business that, I mean, I do, you know, I want, like Brittany, I want to see her in those gowns. I want to see her in those diamonds. I aspire. Yeah. I like that conspicuous consumption, Mariah. It gives me a reason to work as much as <laughs> yeah. I do. You know what I'm saying? I want those type of <laughs> bathtubs, that type of lifestyle. So, so yeah, I just think she's she's going to be in the canon are definitely in the canon and she's she just is you know but uh if it's worth your while say something say something if it's worth your while say something good to me hey 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 if it's worth your while do something good to me let's make it well let's bring this back to the emancipation of Mimi so from our our, our thoughts around you know, Mariah in the 2020s and flashing back now to 2005. Brittany, what is the fire track off of this album for you? Um, I, I really love Shake It Off. I think mm. that is like the song that, that, that was the song that definitely made me buy the album. Like that was like the song that was like, I love that video so much. It was again, the very glamorous kind of like Mariah Carey in a bathtub being Mariah Carey and you have this incredible beat and it's just like so I don't want to I don't want to spoil my favorite moment I know that uh, I have my my moment picked out it's from that song but that is like that song is just every time I hear it it completely transports me to like middle middle school dances and just like watching MTV for hours on end and like waiting to see all the Mariah Carey videos and it's just uh, one of my favorite songs by her. Well, at first I didn't know, but now it's clear to me. You were cheap with all your freaks and like them balls and me. So I packed up my Louis Vuitton, jumped in your ride and took off. You'll never know what kind of girl who loves you more than me. I'm gonna shake it She's doing a little. She's doing Ooh. a little R. Kelly ignition remix flow there, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I mean, the, the whole triplet thing was very. I feel like post Bones Thugs, but it was definitely. There's a lot of. There's a lot on this album that dates it to where it comes out, and I'll talk more about this in a moment. I don't mean dating it in a bad way at all, but like that particular flow that she's singing with is like, yo, know, that is early 2000s R and B right there, mm-hmm. because so many people was do were, were doing that little triplet flow. Yeah, yeah. Morgan, how about you? Same one. Oh, same song. <laughs> Shake it off is that fire. Um, I have two favorites, but Shake it off is one of them. It is the beat that thing still bumps even today, and this album is a great display of all the vocal tricks and trinkets she's got in her pocket. But but Shake it off, she goes to so many heights and does so many circles. 
I mean, come on now. So, I mean, there's, I don't want to ruin Britney's moment either. So I won't speak on where she goes, but it's just such a, it's just a, such a study in what she's able to do with her gift, with her instrument. So that one to me is fire. Mm-hmm. Still fire, still bumps. So yeah, that's my favorite. You? You know, I make this, I feel like I make this joke every episode is that I always go with the most obvious choice, which would have to be we belong together. <laughs> um, and I really, I shudder to think of how many awkward slow dances were set to this song at high school proms and fall formals throughout the year of 2005, because <laughs> this must have been everywhere, everywhere um, uh, during that time. And again, I, I, I'm not going to necessarily say it's the best ballad that she's ever done, because that's going to be a very long list to argue over. But you know, there's a reason why it was what on the charts for, or number one for something like 14 weeks straight. You know, I mean, this is just one of the many, if you talk, if you talk about the story of Mariah numbers, I mean, that's one of the numbers that's going to come up is how many uh, weeks this was, uh, this topped the charts in a row. And yeah, I mean, we belong together is it's what catapulted at least some of those, you know, the, the multiple platinums that this album sold was partly on the back of this particular one song. I feel like I need to put a, a red filter over my lights right now and just kind of put the red, you know, proper mood lighting on whenever the song comes on. A hundred percent. That one bumps yeah. for sure. Yeah, that. For sure, but her starting three—it's like that. We belong together. Shake it off. She comes out of the gate smoking. Yeah. You know, yeah. All three of those songs have such a great kind of like, both lyrically and also the way that she sings them. This like stream of consciousness, like almost kind of rapping, but like still kind of in the Mariah register where right. she's like, you know, on "We Belong Together," she's like, you know, I'm listening to the radio, like, and then then I hear baby face, and it's like that entire part. Like that's it's just I love that kind of stream of consciousness part of her songwriting. Another great video, her just in a, a mansion getting married to Eric Roberts. Like, yeah, nothing more 2005 <laughs> than Eric Roberts in a music you. video. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because what I was saying earlier about how there are different uh, parts of this album that helped to date it to when it was created. And, and this leads me into our discussion of the favorite moments off of it. And for me, and we've been talking a lot about the first three songs off of this. And for me, it's actually the very beginning of the album. So it's track A1, like the first five, 10 seconds uh, with It's Like That, because the way in which that song opens is like the most early 2000s hip hop beat ever, (laughs) because every producer on the planet was digging through the crates to find something that sounded quote unquote exotic from Middle Eastern or South Asian records. And that is everything that's wrapped up into what It's Like That sounds like this is the point when i need everybody to get to the dance floats like that y'all that y'all that y'all that y'all and also of course the Ju- the germaine dupree ad-libs which were as iconic as the puff daddy ad-libs we we're mentioning earlier like i don't know if germaine dupree has ever produced a song that he didn't feel like he had to put his voice on <laughs> kind of wish he hadn't done that all the time but you know 
you know exactly where, or I should say, you know exactly when this song was recorded, the minute you hear that beat and Jermaine Dupri talking over it. It's like, ah, we must be in the early 2000s then. <laughs> Morgan, your favorite moment. My favorite moment is when the choir comes in and fly like a bird. Mm. That's uh, my second favorite song on the album. Um, I love the lyrics of that song. Um, I love how she sounds on that song. I, I love that it's gospel leaning. And I and I don't even know what choir that is, but I love when the choir starts. And Christian, if you could go to that just for my spiritual upliftment. That's it. So that's my that's my favorite. She soars and then the choir. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's beautiful. You just want to get, you know, just want to get your life together after you hear that song. So so yeah. I love that you guys have the the start and the finish of the album too, which is also like two completely different moments, but it's exactly how the you know, minus the the bonus tracks and whatnot, but like how the album begins with that right. very, <laughs> very two thousand five yes. beat. Jermaine Dupri saying everyone get to the dance floor and then a full choir at the end of it, which is just like the beautiful, mm. yes. beautiful dichotomy of Mariah. But my, I have two favorite moments all from, I remembered one while we were talking um, from Shake It Off, my favorite song from the album. Uh, yeah. Of course, once you kind of hit the end of the song, when she just like really goes into all the Mariah Carey vocal gymnastics that she can do at the end of, of Shake It Off, which is just like such like a, a kind of like clubby song and then all of a sudden she's just like belting out <laughs> like at the end of it which I loved when the first time I heard it and also um again from the stream consciousness side of it the line where she's like hold up my phone's breaking up oh I'm gonna call back and hit the machine right back like that little stream consciousness part is like my favorite little moment Mm. my lord that's fire no it's it's good no it's it's really good i i could be easily swayed away from we belong together and and, and jump on (laughs) jump over to shake it off Especially because we now do have the benefit of 15 plus years of reflection on this album. Uh, Brittany, I'm wondering if, are there any slow burner tracks off of here? Songs that, or a song that you weren't that necessarily that into back when you first, uh, you know, got the, the album from Target from your mom. But, you know, 15 years later, you're like, you know, you know what? This was actually a gem in the in hiding. Yeah, I think Get Your Number, listening to that, the last few times I've listened to the album, that was a song that I, like, I liked, but... I just like it didn't really like grab me the first time I was listening to the album and kind of would always kind of skip around on there. But, you know, I that song has definitely become a maybe like in my top three on the album. Ooh, Be- beating out. It's like that. Just just barely. Can I get your number, baby? So I can show you what I'm all about. What I'm all about. Damn. Now that you're sitting next to me, I bet you want to be. 
about you, Morgan? Mine again, actually.、Mm. Um, mine again is.、Uh, I, I, I almost said that was my second fi- favorite, but "Fly Like a Bird" is just. It, it just does something to me emotionally, and I love. I, I mean, I just love the. I love the the start of mine again, and if we could hear from the beginning, I just love how it's. I just love how it starts. I mean, you're already in your feelings before she even starts singing. <laughs> You've already processed some things, you know what I mean, and are trying to heal before she even starts. But yeah, that's one of my、um, doesn't get a lot of、uh, a hype for this album, but but it's it's a gem. I I found myself really gravitating back towards "Stay the Night,"、uh, which is the song that the one Kanye track on here, and maybe it's partly because it is just so. Chop up the soul, Kanye era of of a track, but、yeah. I, I don't think it's one of of Kanye's best known productions from that era,、uh, even in the realm of R of R and B, because I think he had a much bigger hit with Alicia Keys with "You Don't Know My Name." But just those first, and we we've been talking a lot about the, how these songs open, but just those first two to four bars, you already know you're in the midst of an early two thousands Kanye beat in in all the best ways.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the best song off the album, but it's really well put together, and it's a different style, I think, musically than a lot of the rest of the LP. So it, it provides a little bit of difference, but it's also buried right in the middle. So it's kind of at the point at which maybe you've, you've gotten over the initial honeymoon phase with the first three, four songs,、um, and now you begin hunting for your favorites because you don't know if they want to sit through all fourteen tracks, you know, beginning to end. So maybe "Stay the Night" gets gets slept on a little bit for that reason. But like I said, I think I think Kanye does a really nice job there. And、uh, I, it just made me think that the only the only person that could have been on here that would have been I would have loved to have heard it if is if she had given Just Blaze a call and and had him hook up something for her to,、oh, yeah. to sing over on here. So、um, you know, in an alternative universe, maybe that could have happened. Brittany, if you had to describe this album in three words, what would those three words be? Oh,、um, I feel like I'm only thinking of like really corny words. <laughs> Is that okay? No such thing. No such thing. Fun. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. Free. Hmm. Hmm. Timeless.、Mm-hmm. Well, if our audience members like this week's album, then we have some recommendations for the next thing that you should step to. Morgan, you want to lead us off? I do, and I would say, don't be like Britney and don't be like Oliver. Spend some time with Butterfly. <laughs> Go back. I love you both. I love you both deeply, but I'm hurt. You know what I mean? That you didn't give Butterfly the love that it so richly deserves. And I would say, 
Go I even I love that album so much. I know the day it was released September sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> go back to that that day. Go back to when it was released. Get into those jams, my all butterfly the roof, fourth of July, baby doll, and uh and see and hear Mariah post um Pop Princess. Hear her first foray into hip hop and R and B. And uh, she has all the vocal stylings and all the gifts and all the range that would show up on, on albums to follow. But I just think Butterfly's worth a listen, not just because it's my favorite, um, but because just it's just a great album. And I think it's close, uh, close to the emancipation of Mimi. No shade to, to Britney and Oliver. I'm just teasing you guys. But be morally upright <laughs> and go back and listen to Butterfly. <laughs> For me, in terms of R&B of this era, what comes to mind as a, an interesting companion album might be something like Alicia Keys's uh, 2007 album, As I Am. Because I think in terms of the emergent R&B artists of the 21st century, Alicia was, to me, the person who came out swinging uh, at the beginning of the new century and the new decade, uh, first with songs in A minor, and then really her track record across the entire decade, I think, was uh, more commercially consistent and I think arguably more artistically interesting than many of her contemporaries. Um, you know, whether or not, I mean, Mariah certainly outsold her. I do think the two of them make for two of the most interesting figures, both in terms of what the, their kind of persona, what they brought into the music game. Certainly Alicia does not have, you know, the same vocal chops, of course, though I do think she has actually a pretty good diva moment on this album on no one, which might be the beltiest Alicia song out there. But this song also has my favorite, or at least one of my favorite Alicia Keys songs of all time, which is teenage love affair. Great song, great, super fun video riffing, uh, riffing on uh, school days. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think Alicia, you can't talk about R and B in this era without her being part of that conversation. And like I said, she's not touching Mariah vocally, but what she does with her voice and trying to, position herself within this mix, um, I think is, is, is a worthwhile companion uh, to consider next to something like the emancipation of Mimi. Brittany, take us home. I would like to, to suggest a, another Mariah album, maybe for a perfect kind of like holy trinity of of hip hop Mariah albums of like post pop princess Mariah. Um, and I would suggest her most recent album, Caution, which I mm. really, 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 really love. Um, and I I think it also it has some of her funniest lines on there and is also just like an incredibly fun album. I think the the song and no no again you know in terms of some of this Ooh-wee. that song is incredible like i i just i think that is in the top 10 of my favorite mariah songs of all time slowly inching its way towards top five because it's just something i put on repeat a lot um fire her song get the fuck out again just like the way that she can so sweetly sing that phrase is you know every so many artists wish and it's just a really it's just another reminder to not sleep on Mariah. Like she is, 
continuing to write really strong songs, really strong ballads, really strong hooks, just incredible stuff. And is just having a lot of fun and is kind of in, in her element, just releasing really wonderful records that allow her to kind of show that she can be as clubby as she wants when she wants and also can make you cry very easily. Um, and I think Caution is a really, really, really fantastic album. You'll never know what I already knew After everything I already been through I can't waste no time, pay no attention to you I said no, 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 no that will do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Brittany Spanos. Uh, Brittany, what are you working on now? Uh, right now, I am hosting our Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums of All Time podcast. And we have a, a small winter break right now, but we come back on January 5th with more episodes on Amazon Music. And I wrote the January cover story for Rolling Stone on Miley Cyrus, which is online right now and will be on newsstands the first week of January. Awesome. So by the time actually this episode airs, you guys, our listeners can go out and find it because it should be should be out there right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll so. be on stands all, all January. And where can people find more about you and your work online? I am on Twitter, too much, twitter.com slash ohheybrittany. Um, and I'm there all day just, just reading tweets, looking for funny memes. Send me memes. <laughs> You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.